very, very rare that insomnia is ever part of a brain lesion or a stroke or, um, you know, uh, something actually physically wrong with your brain. It's usually right. more to do with habits, more to do with um, the external factors that, that right. govern our ability to relax. I am Sadia Tariq, and you're listening to Dhani, the podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Amar Herikar. He is a neurologist specializing in epilepsy and sleep medicine. In this podcast, Dr. Amar touches upon insomnia, sleep medicine, sleep hygiene, the importance of sleep for the human body, for productivity, for efficiency, for health. Dr. Amar also talks about caffeine and other chemical substances which might have an adverse effect on our sleep patterns. And last but not the least, we also touch upon the effect of screen time on our sleep patterns. Dr. Amar, thank you so much for uh, being on Hani and I'm delighted, delighted to have you on board. Thank you, Sadia. Yes, I'm happy to uh, be here. Uh, Dr. Amar, you are now based in Texas and you have your own uh, private practice, uh, which um, which is an epileptic center and a sleep center. Yes, that's correct. Sleep, uh, which is gaining importance and which is kind of um, lost it in its importance uh, over the years and it's now beginning, everyone's beginning to realize how important it is uh, daily to grab hold of sleep. So to, to begin with, uh, please tell us what is sleep and why is it so important for the human body? So, you know, sleep is basically the process by which, you know, we assume that our brain shuts off for a few hours. Usually it's nighttime and it's a way that we uh, feel and, you know, we still don't understand sleep in its entirety because we always assumed it's a time when we sh- our brains shut off and got some rest. But the more we study sleep, you know, the less we we're clear about what exactly the processes happen, you know. So a lot of times it's actually considered to be an active form in our brain where our brain utilizes that time to consolidate whatever we've processed during the day into our memory centers and basically, uh, you know, save it for the future. So it tends to be, you know, um, a time that, uh, you know, we used to kind of rejuvenate ourselves. So, you know, the reason why it's so important for the human body, you know, and I already said it's a time to rejuvenate ourselves, is also felt to be a time where, you know, our, our metabolism kind of relaxes, you know, so it's got lots of benefits. I mean, just by the fact that one third of our life is spent sleeping, you know, mm. we have a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of studies being done as to what we do during that one third period of time. And, you know, it has benefits in terms of, uh, you know, resetting ourselves in terms of our cardiovascular health, you know, uh, it has a lot of metabolic changes. 
So a lot of times, you know, this is a time when different hormones kind of circulate in our body and try to, you know, do a lot of healing, a lot of rejuvenation. Um, like I said, a lot of consolidation of our memories. So, you know, it helps us recover so that our mood, our cardiovascular health, you know, our immune system is back to being able to function when we wake up the next day. Now, mm -hmm. as far as how much sleep we need, so, you know, you'll, if you look at literature, you'll find lots of different numbers that are thrown out there, you know. Uh, in general, uh, whenever we're born, that's like, you know, and you'll see this, um, and we all know this from seeing kids to adults, you know, when a baby is born, almost 20 hours of the 24 hours is spent sleeping. And as mm -hmm. the process, as you, you know, get older and older and your brain matures more and more, you start sleeping less. In, in right. the criteria from a, from a doctor's standpoint, the amount of everybody has, we say, you know, you need seven to nine hours of sleep as an adult. But, the, you know, there are some people who are short sleepers and then there are some people who are long sleepers. So mm -hmm. even though seven to nine hours as an adult is a general um, term that we throw out there, um, we usually, you know, it's defined as the amount of sleep that you get at night, enough that you're functioning and not sleepy during the day. For some people, that would be five hours. And for others, that would be nine to 10 hours. And seven hours for that particular individual might actually be sleep deprivation. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty dynamic definition of what, uh, how much sleep we actually require. But in general, you know, um, you know, usually we say that teenagers require nine to 10 hours of sleep, adults mm -hmm. seven um, six to eight hours of sleep and mm -hmm. you know uh, literature varies a little bit um, of course. in terms of that of definition um, you know sir there's a there's a there's a lot of literature and there's a lot of talk about the circadian rhythm um, mm -hmm. can you please explain to us what it is and how we can follow it and if it's a good idea to follow it or not well so the circadian rhythm is basically I mean, the, it's a just a 24-hour cycle uh, in our physiological processes. So that's what we call uh, a circadian rhythm, you know. And if you, you know, when we study biology, we see that every single living animal has a particular rhythm, like a clock, an internal clock that governs how much time we sleep, how much time we spend awake. And we see that not only in human beings but also plants animals you know i mean there are plants that actually have changes and we all know that you know some photo do photosynthesis during the day and uh they're that the night when they're not making oxygen they're actually rejuvenating so right um you know there there is a lot of like circadian rhythm by itself is just that intrinsic rhythm that we have now you know how much of a role that plays in the individual Again, you know, it's basically that rhythm. And, you know, and actually, when you look at the sleep cycle in the human being, we actually have two humps. So where we feel sleepy, you know, we mm -hmm. all know that we feel sleepy at night. And then there's another small hump where we feel sleepy after sometime in the afternoon after we, you know, eat our lunch. And that's, that's basically the circadian rhythm is basically that, that rhythm 
that is you know generated by external cues and internal cues to help us you know navigate the the day basically right so um, you know i mean it, it just helps us govern ourselves and some people have circadian rhythm disorders where you know and you usually use the term night owls you know these mm -hmm. people are this subset of you know human beings basically their brain does not have the same pattern as other people and we you know uh, we term them as delayed sleep stage and or earlier sleep sleep stage um, and these are just variations in circadian rhythm but for the most part circadian rhythm is the rhythm by which we govern our 24 hour cycle so would um would every human organ have its own rhythm or do we do we deal with the human body as one whole unit that's a very good question so yeah you know i mean they are doing new studies where they see that each organ actually has its own function um some of them have their right. own intrinsic rhythms and um you know uh they you know, they, they have their own little, and you know, you'll see that with the liver, uh, not only the brain, you know, but uh, um, it's, yeah, you know, the, the liver, heart the will pancreas, also have, the kidneys. Yeah, yeah, they all have their times. And, you know, some of them are governed by external, the external overall circadian rhythm, but they also have mm -hmm. their own intrinsic rhythm. So each one of our organs tend right. to have their own little cycles which may not correlate with our 24-hour cycle. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, we don't, I don't believe we know the, the exact cycles, like time periods for each one of them, but they kind of vary. So even our circadian mm -hmm. rhythm is, you know, when we talk about it, if I remember correctly, it's, you know, the human being intrinsic circadian rhythm is a little over 24 hours. So when oh. a group of people wanted to know what their circadian rhythm was, um, I can't remember the person who did the study, but you know they took 40 scientists and they actually went into a cave and they spent, uh, I believe, like 40 days in, in a cave just to see how their internal clock without the sun works. Mm -hmm. And they came mm -hmm. out and they did some measurements and it was a little over 24 hours. Um, and then they said how how so how it actually works is that there is an internal clock and then there are external cues like the sun our food cycle um oh. and those kind of help you know like tweak our internal clock so even though some of people course. may have different internal clocks you know we do it is kind of governed by the external environment as well so it makes it a little bit more complicated um you know uh, to understand would it be fair to say that when we have our daily dose of caffeine in the morning are we somehow interrupting the circadian rhythm or kind of forcing it to wake up uh, wake the systems up a lot earlier than they're meant to well yes in some ways yes some ways i mean you know if you're we all do tweak our circadian rhythm in some way or another, if it's not caffeine, it's exercise. If it's not exercise, it's showers. So there are lots and lots of external cues by which we we manage our internal clock. 
So mm-hmm. where it's beneficial is when it is in queue with your clock. But if you're taking, um, you know, caffeine in the middle of the night or disrupting that clock, you know, by giving it abnormal signals, you know, um, that's where it gets complicated and that's where it gets uh, disruptive to your what we call the circadian rhythm, you know. So mm-hmm. in general, caffeine in the morning is is never been proven to be a bad thing, you know, uh, as long as you take it within, you know, reasonable doses. They're, they're, they're basically cues and it's, it's used food, you know, um, it's also one of the cues our brain uses to, and you'll notice that, you know, sometimes when we eat large meals, it will make us sleepy. And these are different cues that kind of, you know, work the opposite way of caffeine, if you, um, uh, you know, if, if that's how you can use to understand it. But there are different cues that our brain uses. Caffeine is just one of them. Right, um, right. So, um, with your experience, what are you? What do you think? Uh, what are the main reasons for um, us getting less sleep? It's well. I mean, it's just life nowadays. We want to spend more time. It's. Um, well, okay, so there are lots of reasons why most of my patients, you know, when they come in, um, they're getting less sleep. You know, when you look at, um, you know, their, so so it comes from the two things where you can actually have less sleep or less effective sleep. They're looking mm-hmm. at sleep quality and then they're looking at sleep quantity. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, with people being very, very busy, we're actually getting less sleep quantity. And that is, right. you know, just the culture where we're working early in the day. It's very competitive. And at night, we need to relax. Everybody needs to relax. You know, they need some cool down period. Uh, you just can't come home and just jump into bed. And that requires you, you know, that kind of shortens that sleep duration down. So sleep mm-hmm. quality is a very, sorry, sleep quantity is a very important, you know, social thing that we need to kind of control and and if you look at all the their their big ceos like um uh the owner of amazon uh you know uh, the owner of huntington post they all are big advocates for i don't care they've reported they will sleep at 9 p.m no matter how busy they are and uh, they've been big big advocates for for good quality sleep because they've realized that has a big role in our being able to work the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, um, you know, as far as the other aspect of things is sleep quality. And that's very important as well. So, you know, sometimes sleep quality is affected by um, you know, our minds itself. If you if you try to go to sleep, like I said, you need some cooling down period. You need, um, you know, uh, if you're going to bed and you have so many things on your mind, you're never going to be able to even, you know, you get good quality sleep because you're constantly going to wake up worrying about things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The other thing is sleep apnea. You know? So especially in the American population or in our modern population where, you know, very few... Uh, people are actually going hungry 
and I won't, you know, I don't mean that in a in a holistic way, but most of the people that, you know, come to my clinic, they will have, you know, like they will be healthy individuals. And um, you know, as we as we have more, you know, less active lifestyles, you know, we have desk jobs and you know, we're we're mainly working with our brains and not with our bodies. We tend mm-hmm. to accumulate a lot of fat around our neck areas. And Whoa. we may have poor quality sleep from what we call sleep apnea. Um, it's very mm-hmm. common. And what it does is even though you try to, you actually feel like you're sleeping in bed for eight hours or nine hours, you're actually not sleeping because if your airway is not open, then you're going to have to, you're going to keep going in and out of sleep. And that's going to reduce your quality of sleep. So your effective quantity of sleep might actually be much less just because your quality is bad. Um, That's a very important um, factor to kind of weigh in, especially if people are uh, saying that, hey, you know what, I used to be able to sleep six hours and now six hours just doesn't doesn't cut it. Um, And then you have to look at the quality of their sleep and actually see if they're actually getting good quality six hours of sleep because that more more often than not might be the the issue Mm -hmm. totally with you on this um you know um what role as you said life is just now the way it is and with the constant use of the screen of the phone or the tablet the the people are also saying that we should reduce our exposure to the screen at least two hours before we sleep so how does the brain um, how does the the screen time affect the brain and then in turn our sleep? So, you know, that's where, you know, when you talk about circadian rhythm and just coming back to, you know, expanding a little bit on it. So our brain, when it has this internal rhythm, there are lots of little factors that kind of play a role in the whole cycle. There's There's factors which govern the amount of steroids that our brain, you know, uh, releases. And there's also a different hormone that kind of factors in with the sun, which is called melatonin. Now, mm-hmm. our brain secretes melatonin. You know, it's, it's one of those hormones that's separated, uh, secreted um, in the, the, the hypothalamus. And that is something that responds to the sun in specific. So whenever right. the sun comes out, it suppresses melatonin and our body's melatonin goes down. When the sun's setting, the melatonin starts to be secreted by our brain, and that signals to our brain that, you know, um, it's time to start, you know, readying your brain for sleep. Right. So, um, sorry? So, yeah, when the melatonin is released, it's, as you're saying, it's time to kind of wind down. Yes, exactly. And that plays a big role. So, whenever we have, and, you know, whenever we have, other things that can mimic sunlight, especially the blue light, you know, um, right. that can suppress melatonin and give our brain the signal that, oh, no, the sun's coming back out. And that's where screen time becomes a big factor. And that's why all these new computers that are coming out and the new phones have nighttime settings where they reduce that spectrum, which can suppress melatonin. Um, so that that takes that at least aspect of um, you know the 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 sleep cycle away from it, 
But the habit of doing something exciting on your phone by itself brings another question. So whenever we talk about sleep, you know, like it's a time of our body to kind of relax. If we start doing a lot of things that are active, you know, you're not going to be able to relax. And that's where the screen comes in, even when you turn off the blue, turn on the blue light set- settings of or night mode. You know, if you're still on your screen and your brain is always active, it's not going to want to go into that turn on, you know, you know, turn itself off uh, uh, stage. And so you're going to have, you know, by, by just using the phone and watching movies or writing emails, you're going to have other effects outside of melatonin um, that's going to prevent you from falling asleep. Um, and, you know, in sleep medicine, we, we use a term called, you know, and we very, very frequently say our sleep brain is like a three-year-old child. You know, you have to keep it very strict. You have to kind of train it. If you start doing right. things in sleep, in bed, that are associated with wakefulness, it's going to make you go the wrong way. Your brain is going to get the signal that it's not supposed to go to sleep or it's going to get mm-hmm. the signal that, hey, you know, lying in bed is the time to think about all the problems of tomorrow or write your emails. Then every time you jump into bed, you know, you're going to want to write emails or think about all the things that you have to do tomorrow. And that is something that builds insomnia. And that's where it becomes, you know, um, a problem even outside of the melatonin cycle. Hmm. Um, Speaking of insomnia, um, how do you deal with patients who have insomnia? So what really is insomnia, number one? And what would be the three top things that you would suggest to your insomniac patient? So insomnia, just by, you know, definition is, you know, when you lie in bed and you close your eyes, if you can't sleep within the next 30 minutes, you're diagnosed as insomnia. Now, you know, insomnia, you know, is, you know, sometimes it's just natural. So when we think about um, insomnia in general, you know, you can just, you know, if somebody has something really stressful in that day, you know, or they've had a fight with someone or you're, they're revved up, they won't be able to sleep well that night. And that's mm-hmm. normal, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when we talk about the insomnia model, one of the more um, uh, frequently used models is like the Spielman model, which basically means that you know, how insomnia builds. So, you know, we always think about the three P's of insomnia, which basically Mm -hmm. means that the first P, which could be the predisposing factor or the provoking factor, you know, Mm -hmm. that is something that happens to all of us. You know, you have, you know, all of us will have like an exam and we can't go to sleep because it's just so revved up and so stressed out. And that's natural, you know. Right. And usually once that exam goes away, you know, or you've given that exam, you should be able to come back to your regular, you know, stage of sleeping. And that, you know, these are things that we all deal with as human beings. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is sometimes people will have, let's just say they have an exam, okay? And they have a hard time sleeping at night because of, you know, keeping up awake at night, studying and all the stresses that come with it. But then this gets more precipitated which is the second P of insomnia. And what that means is that 
you just don't have one exam. You have like seven exams, one after the other, one week. Right. And what that mm-hmm. does is it precipitates that particular first level of insomnia and more and more and more. And, mm-hmm. you know, that comes to a point where if it happens for long enough, the third B of insomnia will kick in, which is the perpetuating factor. And this is mainly right. to do with genetics, you know? So what mm-hmm. happens is the first is the provoking, provoking factor. Then if this provoking factor increases more and more, you have more and more stresses, you can't go to sleep, it precipitates more and more till genetics kicks in and then it becomes part of you. So once insomnia goes on for long enough, then it becomes a part of your brain's habit because like I said, insomnia tends to be very, very rare that insomnia is ever part of a brain lesion or a stroke or um, you know uh, something actually physically wrong with your brain is usually more to do with habits more to do with um, the external factors that that govern our ability to relax so Mm. when the perpetuating factors kick in and genetics kicks in then it's very hard for it to go back to you know um, its original state and that's where you know the definition of insomnia comes in and that's where you start having to fix it now when you talk about you know insomnia and how to fix it, usually because, like I said, it's it is very rarely an issue in your brain that's that's actually you know preventing you from falling asleep, except for genetics. Right. Yeah. You have to be very like you have to if to fix insomnia, you have to kind of yeah, it's it's a lot of hard work to get back mm. from you know because our lives it's not very easy to just say oh I'm not going to have stress anymore. It's, sure. So you have to really work very hard at it, get rid of all the external factors that might have stress. Sometimes we use some medications um, to aid with that. But, you know, in general, long-term medications to help with insomnia is never a good idea because right. they will build a addiction or a dependence on a medication, even if it's sim- something as simple as Benadryl, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but so what will happen is that your brain will get used to it and then get entrained to it and that's when your three-year-old brain will kick in and say hey, if I don't get that I won't go to sleep and then right. that will reverberate in your head so even so for short periods of time you know medications to help insomnia especially if somebody's having a very stressful week might be able to help them go to sleep but the goal is always to stop medications and work on what we call sleep hygiene. So preparing right. your brain for sleep, you know, have a you have to be very, very good about it, like 7 p.m., keep your phone down, no TV, start rest, you know, take a shower, make a little routine uh, so that your brain internally also starts to prepare for sleep and then you go to sleep. And that's that's very important because medications might help for a short period of time, but, then, but it's not you know, really a fix. It's never a fix because it will. You will, no matter what medication, it will eventually. You will eventually get get used to it. Of course. What does um, diet, uh, nutritional diet? What kind of role does it play for um, for a healthy sleep? So I mean, you know, nutrition is important in everything. I mean, uh, if you're and, you know, it's it's not, I mean, to me, at least it's not 
what you eat it's when you eat it you know mm-hmm. people who are taking you know like big meals in the middle of the night or big meals close to when they're about to go to sleep may may not benefit from from it because then you can have a lot of reflux you can have a lot of um issues where that can you know that can play a role in 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 you know uh especially if you were drinking tea in the middle of the night or tea late at night you're taking caffeine so even though some people will come to you and say hey you know what it doesn't matter no matter how much tea we drink or how much coffee we drink i can go to sleep right then they're actually not you know when we look at brain waves and we do its sleep studies and we're actually looking at these patients they're really not getting good sleep they'll go to sleep mm-hmm. but then the the caffeine because they'll go to sleep because sleep is a habit so your brain will feel feel sleepy at that particular time and they'll they'll definitely go into that that first or second stage of sleep but that caffeine is going to prevent them from going into third and deep rem sleep because right. they will keep provoking their brain inside and so mm. even though they may not realize that they may say you know what i can go to sleep but i wake up tired and mm. that is um that's you know then you really have to see and tweak your meals you know that's why taking a taking taking a small meal at night helps you know uh, reduce the chances of having gastric reflux when you're lying flat you know it also helps you know prevent a lot of you know because if you have you know if you take a big meal and you have a lot of you know stuff going on in your stomach your brain's not going to get good sleep you know of course um so in that sense that's why they say a good healthy breakfast is probably the best thing because you're moving around you're um you know rather than a big meal that 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 might have the opposite effect mm-hmm. so what in your opinion uh, would be the ideal amount of caffeine to take and when should we stop during the day when should we just kind so, of stop so after caffeine, this phenomenon uh you know caffeine is is a strange substance you know it can <laughs> it has a very variable uh time of onset and you know we sometimes say it can kick in right then like in 5 10 minutes or it can take up to 6 hours to kick in you know right and that's when you that's when people will say oh you know i have tea and then I, or i have coffee and i can go to sleep that's probably because they have a delayed you know stimulant stimulant effect for that caffeine and it might let them fall asleep but then they're waking up a lot in the middle of the night they're waking up very anxious um right. you know too much caffeine is 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 not good for you um, regardless of whether it's your heart or your brain right um, so in that sense you know we when when we give recommendations we say no caffeine after 6 p.m. okay um yeah that's that's why doctors you know say no caffeine so early on because it just has a variable time of onset mhm mhm wow um uh, dr amar just coming to my last question um what are the different ailments or diseases that we're looking at if there is sleep deprivation so you know sleep so right now even if you look at the american uh you know academy of sleep medicine criteria you know if you're so 
lack of sleep is, is associated with everything from hypertension to short lifespans to obesity. And then, you know, we already know the physical aspects of things, you know, where you have dark circles, bad skin, your hormones, because, you know, we talked about the circadian pattern that has a role in hormones and your steroid level that can affect your skin and acne. Um, you know, another thing that we think about whenever we talk about good sleep is a lot of times people will say that they, they, they are unable to lose weight, you know, and mm -hmm. they eventually gain weight and then they say we wake up, we're tired and they may have sleep apnea, you know, which is very high, heavily associated with weight gain. And it might is, is it has actually has a very bad negative feedback. So what happens is, you know, you you don't get good sleep in the day. You need to keep yourself awake. So you start taking things that will you know, like like give you short bursts of energy, like sugars, and that by itself causes weight gain. And then you can't get good quality sleep, and it kind of builds this bad mm -hmm. bad pattern. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know. Getting good quality sleep is, is a pretty good first step in, in getting your blood pressure under control, your diabetes under control. In fact, sometimes when we are fixing people's sleep apnea and we see somebody with high amounts of sleep apnea and we give them a machine and say start using it, we actually tell them, hey, you know what, check your blood sugar more frequently because your insulin now, you know, if you're a diabetic, might actually start working better. Because, you oh. know, and then they'll be able to control their diet, their blood pressure, their heart. I mean, by itself, good quality sleep is, bad quality sleep is associated with, with abnormal heart rhythms. Mm. Um, your immune system, people who don't get good sleep are constantly prone to getting, um, you know, infections, the flu. And then, you know, just, um, you know, you, we all know the brain effect. If you're not able to go to sleep, where our brain is constantly one, like, you know, it's unable to focus on one thing. And then, you know, a lot of times, and, you know, I see this my clinical practice, patients have sleep deprived, they're unable to focus, their brain's jumping from one place to another because, you know, that's how your brain reacts to lack of sleep. And then they go to the doctor and they get diagnosed with ADHD and get stimulants. And that's in itself a bad thing because now they're taking really strong caffeine-like substances to try to fight the sleep deprivation they should have fixed in the first place, you know? So, um, I mean, it's just a bad thing. And then, you know, uh, if, you, if you just Google, sleep has a role in everything, pain, our immune system, our heart, our liver, our lungs, um, our skin. So I, I don't think there's any particular organ that's that's not affected by bad sleep mm. or lack of sleep. Sleep really does seem to be like the backbone of a healthy human being. Um, just one last message for the listeners. Oh, uh, okay. so... I mean, the only message I would give them is to focus on their sleep. You know, you spend one third of our lives in it. It's one third of the lives that's very, very important for that other two thirds to work. So a lot of times, you know, people think that, uh, you know, they can, they can compromise on this one third 
and uh, they actually end up compromising on the other two thirds that that really mean a lot more to them so it's mm-hmm. very important to focus on it you know and then you will yourself be able to see what you need to fix and what you don't whether it's sleep quality quantity the stresses around you and um, you know that that's going to help you get get um, get lots of things on track not just your your health but your mood um and and pretty much anything else brilliant dr rama thank you so much it's been most informative and hopefully most beneficial to all uh, the listeners thank you no no problem thank you uh, happy to answer any questions thank you so much thank you Thank you so much for listening and we would be most humbled if you can leave us with a comment, a rating or a suggestion. Thank you.